Welcome to the Sports Spectrum Podcast, where faith and sports collide. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum Podcast, episode number 122 with PGA Tour Pro Andrew Yoon, is brought to you in part by Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. $38 a month, your sponsorship opens the door to a church-based program run by caring Christian adults and giving a child hope. It provides education, tutoring, medical care, food, the opportunity to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what compassion is all about. 150,000 children chose to follow Christ in the last year alone through the great work being done by Compassion International. And we are so excited about our ministry partnership with them and thankful that they are a part of all we're doing here at Sports Spectrum. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum, $38 a month. Sponsor a child today. Today's guest on the podcast, PGA Tour Pro Andrew Yoon, joins us here on the show. Andrew was a Stanford University graduate from 2013. He had the third lowest scoring average in Stanford University history behind someone named Tiger Woods, I'm pretty sure you heard of him, and another golfer, Patrick Rogers, who's also done pretty well in his own right. So Andrew is in good company coming from Stanford. He turned pro in 2013, and he joined the Web.com tour in 2015, and just this year, 2018, he became a member of the PGA Tour, and he's in his rookie season. He actually finished 22nd at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans this year, and Andrew is a follower of Christ, and I really, this is our second golfer now that we've had on over the past couple months, and I really enjoy getting to know these guys at this stage, because they're not at the top of their game yet. They're just getting started, and yet they're very grounded in their faith, and Andrew is is definitely one of those guys who is grounded in his faith. I think you guys will like his journey, uh, both through golf, but also through faith in Christ and, you know, the challenges that he faced. There's a a wonderful story that Andrew shares here on the podcast of being 14 years old and having the boldness to go to his parents and recognize that golf might be something that he wants to pursue for the rest of his life. And he asked his parents to kind of help put him in a position to have the best opportunity and the most success he could have as a golfer, even at that very young age of 14. So, Let's get right to this interview. I think you guys will enjoy hearing Andrew Yoon, PGA Tour Pro, right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Take a listen. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah, buddy. Good to talk to you. Glad you're here. Excited to learn about your journey and hear about uh, your intersection of sports and faith, which is what this podcast is about. So let's start with just in the beginning. How did you get into the game of golf? Where did that begin to take shape for you? Yeah, so I grew up I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, which is basically 45 minutes south of Seattle. And my dad was really into the game and um, kind of followed him out to the golf course when I was seven years old. And you know, I love the challenge of it. I just loved how how it was it was all on you and you had no one else to blame and you just never seem to have everything all at once. And so it's you know, it's one of the probably one of the most difficult sports in out of out of all of them. And oh, yeah. so I, I just love that challenge and uh yeah, fell in love with it ever since. When did it click? Like when did you realize, you know, I'm 
could I could do something with this. I'm pretty good. When did when did that moment take place? You know, it sounds crazy to me now, but then when I was 11 years old, I think I knew that I wanted to be a professional golfer. And for some crazy reason that my my parents believed in me as well. <laughs> and so uh yeah, it's been my dream ever since like ever since then and you know, looking back 11 years old, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't I think that's pretty young that Oh, yeah. to you know have that dream and of course everyone all kids have certain dreams but you know for that to become a reality it's just it's been a byproduct of not just my you know of myself but really my parents and their sacrifice who were who were your heroes growing up who are the people that you looked up to uh maybe athletes who are the people maybe on you know on your wall poster on your wall whatever it was who were the people that you rooted for rooted and looked up to as a kid you know, I just honestly, for me, it was just the best in every, in any any sport, and so, um, you know, not outside of the world of sports. My dad was a person that I always looked up to, of course, because his work ethic was, you know, second to none, and that's what he taught me. And the biggest thing was, you know, you just have to constantly work at it, regardless of how the results are. You know, you gotta outwork everyone, and um, that's something that I definitely. You know, I think it holds holds true even to this day, and so I learned that from him. Um, you know, it was obviously fun watching Tiger during the heyday mm-hmm. um, when he was just dominating the sport, and Annika Sorenstam dominating the women's sport. Um, you know, obviously those are great role models. But even now, I've always liked um, like Roger Federer and and Tim Duncan because those guys who are so consistent at what they do, and not just consistent, but consistently great at what they do. Um, yeah, I just hold, I I guess I hold them to a higher standard and they probably, you know, the way they do things, I think is, uh, is very classy as well. Yeah. You don't hear a peep from them. You know, you don't hear anything, uh, outside of the world of sports that's getting them in trouble. You just, and they're very classy and very humble in the way that they carry themselves. Is that kind of how you try to carry yourself now that you're a PGA total pro? (laughs) You know, I hope so. Yeah. I think I think the worst thing is to call yourself humble because it seems like those are the least humble people. I know. And I always joke around with people. I always say like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm the most humble person I know. <laughs> and so, um, but obviously it just, it's just good natured fun. And I, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think, it, you know, when, when you're that good at something that you do, um, I think that's a reason why they're able to do it for so long, do it well for so long, just because. They have that hunger. They know that it can be taken away from them at any given moment. And so they appreciate having that opportunity and they make the most of it every single day. You mentioned 11, realizing that dream or, or understanding or having it start to click for you. But it's when you get to 14. Now, now my daughter is 14, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I, I think about the age of 14. And if she did this to me, I would kind of be like, what's going on here? My daughter and most 14-year-olds are asking for iPhones and gadgets and you know, that's the type of things that they want. You know, they want to ride somewhere. When you were 14, you asked for something a little bit different to your parents. Tell us that story. Yeah, it was a little bit more costly than an iPhone these days. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I, like I said, I, moved, I I grew up in Tacoma, Washington. And, and you know, it's it's a great place to live. But then for golf, it's it's just tough, in the, especially in the wintertime, because it just rains, it's cold, and it's not the... I mean, it's just not the greatest place to to play the game. And so I asked my parents to move down to Arizona or if they'd be willing to move down to Arizona so that I can just, you know, be in a better climate where I could practice more and have better competition or at least more competition. And 
And, um, you know, they thought about it. And, you know, as much of a dream as this was mine, I guess it was their dream as well to help to help me get there. And so they were they put that sacrifice and we moved from Tacoma, Washington to to Chandler, Arizona. And when I was 14, this was my sophomore year of high school. You know, and it was a tough transition for me, but then I, I'm, I'm sure it was just a, it was a tougher transition for them thinking about it now and, um, you know, sacrificing having to move away from family and all the businesses that, um, you know, my dad had. And, um, yeah, it was, it was huge. It's, it's crazy when you think about this because it, it says a lot about you to have enough uh, I guess um, maturity maybe is the word or whatever it is to, to know that this can help you because you saw a trajectory that was taking place. It was also uh, something that when you look at what your parents did to make that sacrifice and, and anytime you talk and I talk to a, pro, a lot of professional athletes, they always point back to their parents because it always comes to sacrificing their time and their effort mm-hmm. to give to you your opportunity to do that. I mean, that really says something about what your parents were able to do at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, it do you, does. what do you, what do you, when you hear about, when you tell this story now, I mean, you're in your twenties now, you're obviously, you know, established and you're a PGA tour pro, but when you think back to that, that's a pivotal moment for you, right? It's gotta be. Yeah, it's huge. And honestly, for, it was a, like as good as of a thing as it was, it was also a bad thing. And I say that because, um, it placed a burden like on me knowing that my parents made such a big sacrifice in order to make this dream become a reality. And so for the first few years when we moved, I struggled mm. and I struggled pretty, pretty bad. And a lot of it was just not just the physical part of moving, but it was really the, the mental and the spiritual part where I feel like I have this burden and I need to perform and I need to do well in order to to please them and for them to realize that their sacrifice was worth it and so you know for a year or two I really struggled with that but I remember after that um, there was a a few good talks and a a really good retreat that I went to for uh, my church and I just realized then that you know that that burden that's you know that's not fair you know and that's not Mm. no one no one placed that burden on me and that's really just you know, the work of, you know, probably the enemy and as well as just what the world kind of tells you. And, you know, that God gave us this, this spirit of freedom and, and love. And, you know, my, my parents, they made that choice not to, not to put that burden on me, but they made it out of love. And it's really just a, a glimpse of how much our father loves us. And so realizing that it just freed me up to, to play and, to play freely and just to, to have fun again with the game. And, and from then on, that was a lot, a lot better. And, and things started to, and, you know, as a result, I started to play better. Was there ever a time in those first two years, maybe for you, for sure, it sounds like where you were like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Why did I force them to move? Whatever. But was there a time where you or your parents ever actually had a conversation about moving back or seeing if this was, if this was worth it, I guess, or were you guys all in and they were all in on this move? I mean, they were all in. They never expressed to me that they wanted to move back because they, they never knew that, wavered. Yeah, yeah, they never. I mean, doing that, they would just they knew it would, it would be harder on me, and they never wanted to put that burden on me again because you know that's never why they 
made that choice in the first place. I know eventually, I know now that now that they've, uh, you know, been in Arizona, they will kind of like to go back and forth just because family's up in Washington. So they'll kind of be like snowbirds where they can spend the summers up there in Washington and then the winters down in Arizona. Um, but yeah, they never, they never told me that, you know, they wanted to move back up there because, you know, it's just, um, they were, I mean, they were doing everything that was for, for my good. And they were just thinking only of me when they were making that decision. And so, um, again, a huge sacrifice that they made, but something that they willingly, willingly did. We're talking to Andrew Yoon here, PGA Tour Pro on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Andrew, where did that faith, you mentioned your faith when you were in high school and going to that retreat, but where was that sort of birthed for you? Where did that start? Were you raised in a Christian home and then kind of maybe the moment that you decided to follow Christ as opposed to maybe a parent's uh, faith that you were taught. Tell us about your faith in Christ and where that started. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did grow up in a Christian household. Um, my mom and dad, they're both very involved in church. And my dad's actually an elder at, at the church. And so obviously he's very, he was always very involved. And, you know, I grew up and, you know, I knew everything about Christianity, or at least I thought I did. Um, but when we moved down to Arizona, that really just rocked, rocked my world. And so any foundation that I thought I had was just totally shattered. <laughs> and so there was nothing. And everything that I had was just based on golf. Mm-hmm. Every, everything I had, that I had was based on the results that I, that I showed and how I did and how I performed in golf. And basically, that's where my worth came from. And, I mean, you know a lot about golf and you know how how tough of a sport it is and how humbling of a game it is. And so, I mean, more times than not, you're definitely, you're not going to play as well as you would like. And that's just the reality of the, of the game, of the sport. And so, you know, when I was going through, when I first moved to Arizona and I was struggling, I was, you know, I was, I was actually one of the top juniors in the country. I think I was ranked number two by the time when we moved to Arizona. And then, you know, from the move and the changes and switching coaches and starting to work out, everything kind of just fell apart. And so because of that, and then just having my identity. What do you mean by falling apart, Andrew? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but as far as your faith, you mean? Yeah. I mean, because I thought I had a strong faith. Right. But in reality, I didn't. It was all just based on how I played. And because I was playing well, it was a lot easier. But then once things start going poorly, Mm, that's when your character really shows. And my character... I realized was not that great <laughs> when so when I was shooting when I was playing poorly and not doing well I was just I was very frustrated I was angry at God and I was just asking him like why like you know we moved down to Arizona and this happens like why why are you allowing this to happen and you know I was just having all these I was just burning with anger mm-hmm. and I was just constantly frustrated and sad and disappointed and all these negative emotions and um you know it was kind of at that retreat when I started to realize and things started to come around and I remember my one of my best friends up in Washington you know we're at that retreat and he just told me like he said you know Andrew that I didn't realize why why you moved down to Arizona like I was I don't know why you why you had to do that, but I realized that God has a greater calling for you. Mm. And like, he loves, and he's just like, he wants you to know that he loves you. And 
he's going to use you for something really big. And so, you know, just have faith and have trust in him. And for some reason, that kind of just clicked in my head where it's just like, wow, this is, you know, our life here on this earth is, is temporary. And this is so much bigger than just golf. You know, golf isn't who I am. It's what I do. And God just happens to happen to give me the talent to play this to play this wonderful game and I need to do the best that I can but in the end I'm not a I'm not an Andrew the golfer but I'm really Andrew a a son of a son of our heavenly father you know mm. you, you mentioned so, the word identity earlier too that's a that's a big thing in professional sports isn't it especially uh when you are a professional at at a sport and that's what people know you as identity is a big struggle isn't it yeah i mean i would just say it's a it's a big issue with whoever, but then I think it just gets magnified playing professional sports because you're all, you know, there's cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're always under the spotlight and everything is exposed. And, you know, all the, a lot of times people see your scores online. And so they kind of, you know, see how you're doing based on that. And so, yeah, I think it's definitely, it's exaggerated a little bit, but, um, you know, it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. Because if you're securing an identity in Christ and who you are in Christ and, you know, being a, a son of our Heavenly Father, being a son of Jesus, and um, then it's okay. Like, you, it doesn't matter how you perform because at the end of the day, you, know, you have that security in who you are. We'll have more of our conversation with Andrew Yoon, PGA Tour Pro, in just a moment right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. But want to take a second to tell you more about our friends at Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. You can sponsor a child today for just $38. And listen, my wife, my daughter, myself, we sponsor a 13-year-old boy from Haiti. And I'm telling you, it's the best $38 that we spend every single month. And I want to invite you, I want to even challenge you to simply make room around your dinner table to help a child who needs you. It's so little to change a child's entire trajectory. So join me, sponsor a child with compassion. $38 a month provides education, tutoring, medical care, vocational training, all done in the name of the Lord Jesus. $38 a month. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum. Sponsor a child today. Now back to our conversation with PGA Tour Pro Andrew Yoon right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. So let's go to, and we're talking to Andrew Yoon here, PGA Tour Pro on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Let's go to Stanford. And you go from you know, obviously performing very well in high school and you get to Stanford and following in the wings of other great golfers from Stanford. When mm. people think of Stanford, they think of Tiger right away, right? Tiger Woods mm-hmm. and, of course, Patrick Rogers, two guys that you are right up there as far as scoring average in the program's history. Mm-hmm. How was that adjustment for you going to college, both spiritually, I guess, academically, of course, but even athletically? What was that adjustment like all of a sudden finding yourself at Stanford University? Um... I would say for me, it's it's a big adjustment. It's definitely, I mean, I think for any high schooler going to college, it's huge. And a lot of times that's kind of how you find yourself because you're away from home for the first time. You're finding out what exactly it is that you want to want to do for the rest of your life, what you want to study in. And, mm-hmm. and it's just you learn a lot about yourself. And I remember my time at Stanford, it, Stanford's a little bit more of a liberal school, right? It's it's out, it's out there in between San Francisco and 
in San Jose. And so it's a very liberal area. It's a liberal school. And so there's a lot of, just a lot of thought and there's a lot of people who are very smart. And so mm. a lot of people who question faith on a very like scientific basis, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it was an area where I knew that my faith grew because of that. A lot of times when you're in a secure environment, in a comfortable environment, you're, I don't think your faith necessarily is tested, but it definitely was there at Stanford. And so it just made me that much stronger in my faith being in those, being in that kind of environment where I was like, man, I like, I really have to know what exactly what it is that I put my identity in. Cause I can't just say like, it's like, why, why do you believe in Jesus? Oh, it's, you know, because I do. Right. It, it goes so much deeper than that. Yeah. You know, it goes so much deeper than just, than just like a feeling. And so, um, yeah, it was a, definitely a, like a big transition spiritually and in golf as well too. Cause again, again, you're not under your, you're not under your parents' roof. Uh, you're learning how to play and practice and manage your time and manage school at the same time. And so time management was huge for me. It was, uh, it was very, it was very big, and that's one of the biggest things that I learned from, from being there at Stanford is how to manage my time and how to be efficient with it. And, and, and as a kid, I remember just wasting around, like you know, just messing around all the time and having fun. But um, you can do, you can do that in college, but not as much. Your time becomes a lot more valuable. Yeah, if you do that, you'll get you'll get burned quickly <laughs> if you mess <laughs> around and get start start playing video games and just don't do your work and never go to class or anything like that. It'll burn uh, quickly. I mean, I would love to do that, but then pretty soon, like you, you like you get up from the, from the you know playing the video games, and three hours later, you're like, oh, where'd the time go? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Now your success at, at Stanford, as far as on the golf course, was was awesome. I mean, you had the third lowest scoring average in program history, behind Tiger and mm -hmm. behind Patrick Rogers. So you're seeing success here, but tell mm -hmm. me about okay, success comes right, and now mm -hmm. you're at a place like Stanford where you said you were challenged in your faith. How do you stay grounded in your faith? Were you able to kind of be part of Bible study? Were you able to find a church? What was college like? Because there's a lot of college kids that listen to this podcast, and I think a lot of them suffer or struggle, I guess is a better word, with staying connected to a church in a, in a, in a, in a community of believers, like-minded believers. How were you able mm -hmm. to do that? Um, uh, community is huge. You know, God didn't call for us to, to do this on our own. You know, obviously, first and foremost, we need we need the Holy we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we have that relationship with Jesus, like a living, breathing relationship with Him. But then, second, um, He called us to have a community around Him. You know, where there's two or three gathered, you know, Jesus is there, and so we need that, not just for our own faith, but to keep, for but for others to keep us to help us keep us accountable. And that's, you know, that's really huge. And so I think being plugged into a community, being plugged into a church or a Bible study or uh, like a fellowship, like I was, I was um, plugged into a church right there next to, next to school in Palo Alto that had a good group of people that, you know, I was a uh, very, uh, I was close friends with and a few brothers that helped keep me accountable to, you know, reading the Bible and just learning more about who Jesus is and, my relationship with him. And so, I mean, that was, that was huge. And then there was also college golf fellowship who I was a big part of and Steve Burdick out there and 
he, he does uh, he kind of runs that college golf fellowship in that northern california region and so him also being a stanford alum we also we had a pretty good relationship and we had a few good talks and so having those kind of mentors and those people that would help you just walk walk with you in life is huge because i mean you know life is it throws you curveball curveballs left and right and so um having someone to talk to to help you navigate through those things is has been uh, a huge blessing so then you turn pro you graduate 2013 you turn pro and mm -hmm. now you're playing tournaments and you're traveling and you join the web.com tour in 2015 and have some success mm -hmm. there. And then 2018 comes this year and you're now on the PGA tour. Uh, mm -hmm. So take us through that journey of, cause it sounds like it is a journey. I mean, it's almost like a minor league uh, baseball player. When I talk to them about, all right, they're done with high school or college and then they still mm -hmm. aren't at the peak yet. They have to kind of still pay their dues and, and battle mm -hmm. through to get to, you know, sort of the major. So take us through your journey going from graduating college to now today where you are on the PGA tour. Yeah, it's uh, definitely been a wild journey because, <laughs> um, you know, everyone kind of, you see a lot of players who play well in college and then from there they go straight to the PGA tour and they play well and they're, you know, they stay on the PGA tour for a long time with a lot of success, but that's, that's the 1%. And so, the rest of the 99%, they, a lot of times they would, you know, play, play in college, go to Q school, yeah. maybe make it through Q school, maybe not. And if that's the case, if they don't make it through Q school, they would have to go to a second tour, like the Canadian tour, the Latin America, PGA tour, Latin America. They would have to do that or they would do Monday qualifying. And so for me, my story was I, I missed out on Q school my second, my first year out of college. And so that next year, I just traveled. I decided I'm going to do all the Mondays. And I was a perfect 0 for 11 in the Monday qualifiers. Hmm. And I think my scoring average was 69. And so I was, you know, it's, that's Monday qualifiers, though. You got to shoot 65, 64 in order to have a chance to make it. Um, but I was playing well. And I, you know, did some mini tour stuff in between. And I, I won a few of those. So it helped me kind of keep me afloat and, um, you know, have enough have enough money to, to play for the rest of the year. And then I did Q school again and made it to the web.com that year. And then it was three years on the web.com. You know, the first year I finished 50th on the money list. Second year I finished 100th on the money list. And so that gave me conditional status. And I had to go back to Q school and get my card again so I can get full status. And then last year I made it through, finished 12th on the money list, got my PJ Tour card and playing out here on the PGA tour and it's, I mean, sounds great and that's, but it's not the end. Right. Right. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's really just the beginning or it really just a little, a chapter in the story in this book of life. And so I'm, I'm, I haven't played too well this year. And so it's been a bit of a struggle and I know that that's just a part of the process. And I know that God's allowing me to go through this so that I can learn and, and, and grow more. Cause you really, it's hard for you to grow and when things are going well. But I know that, like I said before, when things are going, aren't going, when things aren't going well, that's when you get really, that's when you really get tested and your, your faith shows and your character shows. And so, um, I've been learning a lot in this, in this season 
just my rookie year on the PGA Tour because everything is everything is bigger. There's yeah. a lot more distractions, and that you need you need that much more conviction and that much more um, that much more focus on what to do. Has there been a? I, I know in in a lot of circles of professional athletes, especially football, there's sort of that welcome to the NFL rookie moment. I wonder for you in golf, was there that welcome to the PGA Tour moment for you? Maybe it was seeing someone and you're like, oh, okay, I might be a little starstruck here. Maybe it was just, you know, I can hang here. I made this shot on this hole. Maybe it was something else. But was there that moment for you this year so far as a rookie on the tour where you were like, okay, I'm here now? Yeah. Uh, it was actually, it's actually funny. Um, in the in Torrey Pines in San Diego, um, I think that was my seventh seventh or eighth tournament, and so I played. You know, by that time I'm seven tournaments deep, and I mean everything has been. It's still I still haven't been playing well, so it's been a sort of an adjustment. Um, but as far as like number of people out there, it hasn't been too bad. It's it's obviously been a lot more than the web.com, but it hasn't been too crazy. And then San Diego comes around, and San Diego, there's a lot of people that come out to watch that tournament. And so I remember, you know, Tiger was there, and so he was playing in it, and there was a huge crowd. I mean, thousands of people following his group. And you could tell from any part of the course where Tiger was just because you could see the mob of people <laughs> following him. Of course. Um, but standing on that first tee in San Diego and just seeing for the first time, like, lines of people lined up around the tee box and all the way down to the fairway. That was kind of my like my oh wow so this is this is the PGA Tour <laughs> like the seven tournaments that I played they were you know great and it was a lot of fun but definitely not the amount of people and so we well, just uh, just hitting that tee shot and um, you know playing there it was I think that was kind of like my okay this is this is a big leagues yeah it's like oh okay this is not the uh... This is not 100 people just hanging out watching. This is the big leagues here. I wonder you, <laughs> yeah. mentioned, I wonder you mentioned Tiger. Um, obviously, coming from Stanford, my, my guess in this question is probably just an obvious yes. But obviously, you've probably met him. I wonder if you guys have had a, a chance to have conversations, if he's maybe taken an interest in you at all a little bit closer because of Stanford and the connection there and just maybe providing some encouragement. But what has your interactions been like with Tiger? Um, while I've been out here on the PGA Tour, there hasn't been any, um, unfortunately. But when I was at school, I got to have dinner at his house um, a couple times, actually, my freshman and sophomore year, because we used to have a tournament out in Orlando where he used to live before he moved to Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And he would invite us over to his house for dinner after the second round, and we would hang out with him and um, just talk with him a little bit. and. Uh, he's actually a he's actually a really cool guy. He's very he's very sarcastic, but uh, um, yeah, it was it was actually it was really cool getting to hear some of his stories. Have you noticed? Because you know, as believers, even people as Christians struggle, I think, with the celebrity sort of mm. awe. I mean, even there's we make certain pastors celebrity pastors, and kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, can I get your picture? And it's. I, we get that. I think that's sort of embedded in us to, you know, when you're a famous person or more noter, known, how, how have you been, have you kind of being on the tour and being around a lot of guys that are well known, especially in the golf world, have you been kind of, um, has it changed your, I guess, your mindset on looking at these guys from 
afar, maybe putting them on a pedestal to getting to talk to them, or maybe having dinner at Tiger Woods' house, I guess, when you're in college, changed your perspective of that and just realizing, hey, they're just regular people who do this for a living and happen to be on a, a different platform or stage, but they're just regular mm -hmm. people. Um, yeah, I, I noticed, like, if I were to be totally honest with you, I'd yeah. probably put him more on a pedestal after having dinner with him. Mm. No, that's fine. Because... <laughs> um, because the stuff that he talked about, especially with in relation to to golf and golf course management and mm -hmm. everything, he was just the attention to detail that he had was was is just crazy. Yeah. And so I was I was very impressed with that. And I'm, I was, um, you know, I was honestly trying to emulate a lot of that stuff. And then I realized, you know, I can't do that. And you know, it's just I'm I'm worn out. I'm tired. And so, right. um, you know, I couldn't actually you know do those things. And but. Other than that, yeah, I think it's amazing how, you know, everyone kind of, everyone struggles with something. You know, we all have our, we all have our biases and we all have things that we struggle with. And of course. Um, I feel like as Christians, I think we're, I mean, we're maybe not want to say more open with it, but then I would just say we have a, a support group or you know, like that community, like we mentioned before, where we can talk to people about those kind of things. And that's huge. You know, when, when we have those people who are able to give us advice or just walk with us and just, you know, you know, share the highs with and go through the lows with. And so, you know, that's been great. And I, I see some of the other people out here who are really successful, but don't have that relationship with Jesus. And I'm sure they're, they're, they're really struggling with that. You know, they, they don't really have the people to talk to. And it seems like, you know, maybe Tiger is one of those kind of people. You know, as, as much as I admire what he's done on the golf course, I'm sure there's a lot of things, you know, personally or in, just in his social life where, um, you know, he would have loved to do things differently. But, you know, because he maybe didn't have that relationship with, with, uh, with, with, with people, then it was a little bit harder for him to, to do. Yeah. How, what and kind so, of community? What kind of community, Andrew? Have you found as far as believers on the tour? That's got to be difficult because you can't go to church on yeah. Sundays in your sort of normal way. So, have, uh -huh. tell me real quick about the the community that you've been able to build, or the or the the sort of uh, habits that you've been able to to build being on the tour and staying grounded in the Lord, whether it's through Bible study or you know being around other guys. Yeah, there's a Bible study that goes on every Tuesday night out here um it's a tour fellowship and you know it's actually college golf fellowship is a part of that they you know they have a few guys who come out here regularly like Stephen bunn and um brad Payne. Mm. and so th those two guys are kind of like the tour chaplains who come out every week and just share you know talk with us and we're going through the book of john this year and so that's been and that's been pretty cool we don't, i don't go every week but then i try to go all the, you know, most of the time. How many people um, are then, in that? How many people are in that, that type of study? How many players? Um, it just, it varies. It just depends on kind of where it is and hmm. um, what people are doing that week. And, and so usually there's about, I would say 20 guys or so. Um, but this Great. includes, yeah, this includes caddies and wives as well. Sure. And so it's, yeah, it's, a, it's always, it's usually a pretty decent number and it's big enough. And so, um, that's been, that's been really great. Cause obviously a lot of times we can't go to church on Sundays. Uh, and 
one of my best friends out here, Andrew Putnam, who actually I grew up next door. We're next door neighbors in Washington. Okay. Um, he's a he's he's playing out here as well, and he's a good friend, and I have a good relationship with him. And and there's a guy named Jason Allred who's a part of College Golf Fellowship now, who used to play out here on tour. And Michael Brechtel, who used to be a tour chaplain, and uh, we're all doing this. We're all going through this book by Tommy Nelson called "A Life Well Lived," and it's about the Book of Ecclesiastes. Hmm. And so, you know, just having these kind of groups where you're talking about um, the Bible and sharing our what we think about it, and just um, you know, just diving into the Word of God and going through life together has been has been great, and it's been something that it's been a huge stability in my life. Absolutely. You know, I think that's what, I think that's what Jesus says, you know, like he's, he's our foundation and he's the rock in which we stand. And that's huge. Cause life is just everything else. It's, it's, you know, life is pure chaos, I think. Yeah. And at uh, most of the time it is at least. And so, um, having that has been something that I look forward to every week. That's really great. Let's finish it up here, Andrew, with uh-huh. a three questions, and, and you can answer them quickly here. They're sort of the one book, one movie, one food questions, which I like to ask sometimes on the podcast. So let's start it out. You said you were reading A Life Well Lived, so maybe we'll X that out, and maybe we'll X out the Bible. What is one book you've read in your, you know, in your life, or maybe recently, that has changed you, that has really impacted you? Um, one book that has changed me is impacted you something that stood out yeah um i really enjoyed seven days in utopia Mm -hmm. um i know they made a movie out of that and honestly wouldn't recommend the movie as much as i would recommend the book (laughs) (laughs) i think the book is i mean it's it's about golf and it's kind of more on the mental side of golf but um he's a it's by david cook and he's a christian author and so Mm -hmm. It's a great story, and there's a there's a Christian um, Christianity is definitely in it, and it doesn't get revealed until the very end of it. But it's just great on kind of the it gives you a great perspective on life as you're playing golf, especially on the professional level. Seven Days in Utopia. Okay, how about a movie? Yeah. Is there one that sticks out that you could watch over and over? It maybe it had an impact on you, or maybe it's just something that you can't get enough of. How about a, a movie? <laughs> Um, I don't think this has anything to do with based on my faith. <laughs> That's okay. But then, it kind of does, I guess. Nacho Libre. I, mean, I don't know if you've read, ever seen that movie by Jack movie. Black. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually one that kind of introduced my fiance and I together. Cause, All right. Explain uh, that story, how that come about. Oh, that's another story as well. But then to just keep it short, um, um, we, we met briefly, um, added each other on Instagram, and she was – she was watching this movie, and so she kind of had a few Instagram stories on the movie. Okay. And so I, that was one of my favorite movies. And when I was seeing these Instagram stories, I'm like, this girl is awesome. She, I mean, she has my sense of humor right here. And so I, I, I kind of commented on it, and we started talking from there, and our relationship kind of grew from that. So, Welcome to 2018. Well, we'll say 2000s <laughs> when you're meeting your future wife on Instagram. That's awesome. I love that story. Yeah. How about let's finish it up with food. If you had one last meal with your time on earth, what are you choosing to have? What, what's that food uh, that you have to have? Gosh, man, one <laughs> food. That's, that's so tough. It's but hard, right? That is really hard. Um, I would have to go with Korean barbecue. You, okay. know, it's, you know, me being Korean and it's one of my, you know, it's definitely one of my favorites. And 
you just pig out and I would die a full and happy man. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm going to join you on that one. All right. Uh, uh-huh. uh, all right. So Andrew, this has been awesome. Really getting to know you. Let's finish it up. One last question here. I asked this question to all of our guests on the podcast. I'm asking you, what has the Lord been teaching you during this season of life where you are right now, obviously engaged to be married. You're on the PGA tour. Mm-hmm. What are you learning from the Lord during this season of life? What is he teaching you? Uh, man, it's, it's definitely been one of the tougher times of my life, but something that I am grateful for because he's just teaching me kind of the, the word that I got when I was actually praying the other day was, was focus. Mm. And it was just focusing on him, zoning in on him and letting everything else kind of fade off because there's so many things that we think that are really important. But if God's not a first priority, then everything else doesn't really matter. And everything else, it, you just, you don't, ha- you don't have a sense of peace to you. And so I know for me, like, I was constantly anxious, worried a lot, stressed a lot. And, you know, having kind of re- rededicating myself to, to, to the Lord and having, putting Him first, you know, and, um, I honestly don't know what the verse is, but you know what it says first, uh, seek it first, you know, seek the kingdom of the Lord and everything yeah. else. Well, um, I think it's in Matthew. Um, but you know, that verse was, uh, was a huge part of it and is a, or is a huge part of it. And so it's, he's really teaching me how to focus on him and, and let everything else flow from that. Andrew, thank you. We wish you nothing but the best. This is awesome, and uh, and we'll be rooting for you. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. And we do appreciate PGA Tour Pro Andrew Yoon for joining us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Really enjoyed his hearing his story, enjoyed his journey. I really love that he met his future wife on Instagram, too. I just think that's so funny. I guess being a guy in my 40s, I can't imagine um, – I guess what that's like, but it's 2016, 17, 18. This is what life is like now. And social media is a wonderful place to connect with so many different people. You can actually follow Andrew on Twitter, Andrew Yoon Goff. Yoon spelled Y-U-N, Andrew Yoon Goff. And on Instagram, he's at Andrew Yoon 13. So Andrew Yoon, Y-U-N 1 three give him a follow over on Instagram. He actually has a picture posted of him proposing to his now fiance at the time it's pretty awesome that they met on instagram really appreciate andrew wish him nothing but the best and thank him for joining us here on the sports spectrum podcast we also thank our friends at compassion international go to compassion.com slash sports spectrum you can sponsor a child today for just 38 dollars a month go to compassion.com slash sports spectrum and i promise you it'll be the best 38 dollars that you spend every single month Also want to tell you about how you can become a partner with Sports Spectrum. You can go to sportsspectrum.com. There's an area on the main website that you can sign up and become a member of the Sports Spectrum family. It's $36, and that covers the entire year. You get each of our magazines. Now, we have a quarterly magazine that goes out four times a year, and our newest magazine, our summer issue, is out right now. Our first ever all-action sports edition is out. So you go to sportspectrum.com. It's $36 for the entire year. You get our magazine, you become a member of the Sports Spectrum family, and you help fund 
things like this podcast. We provide this for free, but your $36 will go towards the magazine as well as all of the content you read at sportspectrum.com. You can email me, jason at sportspectrum.com, if you have any ideas for guests, any thoughts. And if you like this podcast, go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave a a five-star review. That would be amazing. And also take a screenshot, share it on your social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, and let people know about this podcast. Help get the word out and help others hear the stories on the intersection of sports and faith. We would so appreciate that. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next time right here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast.